Welcome to the Impact Church Aurora podcast. We pray that this week's message encourages you, engages you, and equips you to make an impact in the world around you. Now, get ready to receive the Word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Today is a day of victory. I said today is a day of victory. Today is a day of victory. The scripture says it this way. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So if you don't say so, it ain't so. This is a day of victory. Why? Because we said so. Somebody say, because I said so. (laughs) Is there anyone redeemed in this place today? Redeemed. Meaning, Jesus has taken you back from the darkness. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I speak of the Lord and say that this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And I thank you, Father, that your presence will not just be here, but transform the hearts and the mind, that people would repent and come back to know you, Father, that they will know that you are real, that the doubts will be removed in the name of Jesus, because what they hear, what they see, touches their hearts so well that they just have to say, there's something different about this God. There's something different about the God of the Bible, Jehovah Yahweh. There's something different about this Jesus who claimed to be the only way to the Father. Demonstrate your ways. Speak your word today. In Jesus' name. Give somebody a high five and say, today is a day of victory. You may be seated. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. They say, how do you know? You say, because I said so. I am so honored today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to speak today that I can stand on two feet with a coherent mind. Whoo. I got a beautiful wife who plays the drums so anointedly. Thank you, G. Go ahead and stand up. Wave to everybody. Actually, come over here, sweetie. I want people to see you next to me. I look better when you stand next to me. Hallelujah. Come on. One time for the one time. We have two beautiful children. (laughs) My daughter, she's three. Going on 30, it feels like sometimes. Man, and um, I'm so honored today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. We have a son. His name is Sovereign, and he's one, and he always smiling. He he, he knows something. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for marriages. Thank you, Jesus, for multiculturalism. Thank you, Jesus, for life. In Jesus, Jesus' name. Thank you, sweetie. You look great. You sounded great. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to thank the pastors 
Pastor Jamin and Pastor Olga. They're usually sitting over there, but they're out serving somehow. Thank you, Jesus, for Pastor Jamin. Give them a round of applause. Please honor where honor is due. Praise and worship team. Woo! Give it up for the praise and worship team. Pastor Jamin is in CIA today, so we thank you, Pastor, for being in CIA. And it is so good that the shepherd of the house is also ministering to the children. Facebook, get ready. Get ready. Today is a day of victory in the name of Jesus. Even though you may not be here physically, there's no time and distance that can separate us from the love of God. Receive it today in the name of Jesus. Today, I want to talk to you about a prophetic culture. Now, the word prophetic has to do with prophecy. It has to do with prophets. It has to do with a divine inspiration from God himself. And we're going to talk about a divinely inspired culture. I'm going to talk to you about your priestly anointing today. The priestly anointing as well as the power of praise. Hallelujah. This had to be one of the most fun studies that I've done in a while. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (sighs) Your words, Father, your will in Jesus' name. Thank you, Devin, as I call him Devrin, because he will soon be that reverend. Come on. Hallelujah for backing me up today in the name of Jesus. All right. Revelation 1-6. This is speaking of Jesus. He has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 5.10, and speaking of Jesus, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him. Who has called you out of darkness. Somebody say out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. My God. There is a royal priesthood that I stand before today. Kings and priests that I stand before today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We talk a lot about and we have a very familiar understanding of kingship. But I want to highlight on this priestly anointing that we all carry in this place. And you will begin to see so much more value in the seat you sit in and who God has called you unto him today. You will not leave the same. Somebody say, I will not leave the same. I will not leave the same. Oftentimes, when I minister, the Lord begins to highlight people, and he'll show me something about them, okay? And as the Lord leads, I will speak what the Lord says. It's a part of the gifts of the Spirit where you will have that prophetic word that comes forth. It can be in wisdom and knowledge, okay? It is a gift of the Spirit that I'm well aware of that the Lord has taught me to cultivate through his spirit. So as I begin to say it, I will ask you, and everybody will also hear, does this make sense? Because he reveals things to me that only God can know. 
not only will you hear the word, but the word will be demonstrated today. So what is a priest, a godly priest, if you may? A special chief or officer handpicked by God. Sanctified. That word sanctified also means separated or consecrated. All right? For specific godly duties. The high priest, he represented himself and the people to God. Generally, they are a separated, the consecrated, the sanctified. They're dedicated to prayer. Dedicated to stand before God, to represent himself and the people. This priestly anointing. When you pray, you have an anointing, not just to represent yourself, but the brother and sister next to you. This priestly anointing by God has given to you the authority to actually pray. And God hear you. And it represent yourself and others by God. You saw before it says he has made us kings and priests. The first priest mentioned in the Bible is Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Genesis 14, 18 and 19, it says, and Melchizedek. First of all, I want to thank Miss Kayla for making these notes. She makes them so nice. Got the, got the, give her a round of applause. She, she was doing this up late last night. Thank you so much. And they surprised us. Christian and Kayla, they live all the way out. Thank you, Jesus. So Genesis 14, 18 and 19 says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the most high God. And he blessed him and said, speaking to Abram, Blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. Something about this priestly anointing also allows you to bless in his name. My God. And now, Jesus Christ speaking in Galatians 3, it talks about us receiving the blessing of Abraham. My God, this blessing. So then we start to see this trail taking you on a journey today. My God, how God appoints Aaron, the Levitical priesthood, and the Levites. So Jacob, you ever hear Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Jacob had 12 sons. His third son was this brother named Levi. And that's where we get the book of Leviticus. We get Levites. We get Levitical priesthood. So it sounds super technical, but it's just extensions of his son, Levi, the third son of Jacob. So God appoints Aaron, who came from Levi, the Levitical priesthood, who was in the bloodline of Aaron, which originated from Levi. Everybody following me? Numbers 3 and 10 through 12, it says, And you shall appoint Aaron, this is God speaking, and his sons, and they shall guard their priesthood. But if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. There was very specific restraints that God put on this royal priesthood, or this priesthood, if I may. Just the priesthood. 11, and it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the people of Israel, instead of every firstborn who opens up the womb among the people of Israel, the Levites shall be mine. You see how there's a separated people that God chose. Now, why did he choose them? They said that they were going to be loyal to God when other people were worshiping Baal. God remembered these Levites who said, I'm not, we're, we're going to be for God. So Deuteronomy 10 and 8, It says, at the time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi, check this out, to bear the Ark of the Covenant. Somebody say the Ark of the Covenant. 
We're going to dive deep into that. That represents the presence of God himself. This tribe of Levi, as well as the priests, to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister or to serve unto him, and to bless in his name unto this day. So we see that he, they carry the presence of God, this Ark of the Covenant, which we will see. It sees that they stand directly in his presence, and they also bless in his name. This priestly anointing carries the presence, blesses in his name. And stands directly before God. We're going to dive into that idea. I'm setting a foundation here. The, the priests also wore holy garments. They were separated not just by the anointing. Not just by what God called them to do. But even by the clothes that they wear. A good example would be when you see a nun. You know a nun when you see him because the, the clothes. You can tell. That's how God separated the holy garments specifically for the priests. And... I have the scriptures up here, but I'd rather you guys see this picture. If you can show that priest, you can see. It says, call for your brother Aaron and his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Set them apart from the rest of the people of Israel so that they may minister to me and be my priests. Make sacred garments for Aaron that are glorious. And I'm speaking of Exodus 28, 1 through 4. Make sacred garments for Aaron that are glorious and beautiful. Instruct all the skilled craftsmen whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom. Wow, even the spirit of wisdom preceded how they made these clothes for these priests. Have them make the garments for Aaron that will distinguish him as a priest set apart for my service. Somebody say, I'm set apart for his service. Thank you, Jesus. These are the garments they are to make. A chest piece, an ephod. Remember that word ephod. You see, it's not that breastplate of stones he has, but just the part that's not the robe, the colorful thing. That ephod. Wow. Separated for the priest. Somebody said that ephod was separated for the priest. This is very important. It says a robe and a patterned tunic, a turban, a sash. And it continues and says to serve me as priests. As we continue, there's a priestly anointing that came with it. An anointing is symbolic for oil. God would come in and he would do ceremoniously. He would pour oil on people in front of people to show that they were separated unto God. This is very important. This oil represents the Holy Spirit as well. Numbers 18 and 8. And the Lord said to Aaron and I, Behold, I have given you the charge of my heave offerings. That heave offerings, it says, Whatever is taken out and kept to the offerings made to me. Whatever is taken out. In other words, they would share in God's portion. My God. Somebody say, I've inherited God's portion as well. You remember, we are joint heirs with Christ and heirs of God. Thank you, Jesus. All the dedicated and consecrated things of the Israelites to you have I given them as your portion and to your sons as a continual allowance forever. Check this out. By reason of your anointing as priests. So by reason of your anointing, by reason of the anointing, there were special privileges given to the priests. My God. So as we continue this journey... We see that the Levites were a separated people for service unto God. We see that these priests, specifically, not all Levites were priests, but all Levites were separated specifically for service unto God. Remember, he has made us unto him kings and priests. Now, you are starting to get a little bit more detail about your anointing and your identity in the name of Jesus. So, this Levites and this tabernacle starts to, uh, God gives Moses specific instruction. 
So the Levites, the service that they were doing were for a specific tabernacle, the tabernacle of Moses. Somebody say the tabernacle of Moses. So they were separated for a reason, not just to be separated, but they actually were anointed for a specific service. And the service was to serve the priests as well as to do certain duties of the tabernacle of Moses. So Numbers, it says this. 18, 6, and 7, it says, I myself has chosen your fellow Levites from among the Israelites to be your special assistants. They are a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord for service in the tabernacle. But you and your sons, the priests, must personally handle all the priestly rituals associated with the altar. We're going to see that in a second. And with everything behind the inner curtain. Somebody say the inner curtain. I am giving you the priesthood as your special privilege of service. Any unauthorized person who comes too near the sanctuary will be put to death. Not just anybody could go into this tabernacle. Hallelujah. There was a favor that was given to specific people. Somebody say, God has specifically chosen me. Hallelujah. For you on Facebook as well, God has specifically chosen me. So there was a specific design of this tabernacle that the Levites, by, the, by God himself, were to serve in. Hebrews 8 and 5. It says, God, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews says, Who served the copy and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, this is God speaking, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. Can we show that video, please? This is the tabernacle of Moses. What you see here, the curtains as you go in, that first piece of furniture there is where the sacrifices were made, the bronze altar, the sacrifices under the fire of God. Then you see that pot-shaped, the lavern there, they have water in there. They would wash their hands because they had blood on them going in. Then you go into the holy place. To the left, you have the lampstand. To the right, you see the bread. 12 tribes of Israel. All these are very specific, but we're going to focus on something. I'm just giving you a little tour of this tabernacle of Moses designed by God. Hallelujah. As you move forward, you see this altar of incense that represented prayer. The priest would come in specifically every day to do rituals that God commanded. Very powerful study. But this is where that Ark of the Covenant, that Ark of the say Ark of the Covenant, which represented the actual presence of God. Hallelujah. If we can keep the Ark of the Covenant pictured there. And it talks about this day of atonement. Whoo! My God, if you see that light, it's symbolic for God's actual presence. It talks about this day of atonement that the high priest only would go in once a year to cover with blood. He couldn't enter without blood. To cover the sins of the people. Hebrews 9, 5, and 6, it says, Above it were the cherubim of glory. That's where you see those wings. If you can, just keep that picture up there. Above it were the cherubim of glory. I'm reading from Hebrews 9, 5 through 6. Overshadowing the mercy seat. Thank you, Jesus, for the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Verse 6 in Hebrews 9, 5, and 6. It says, These preparations, having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing the ritual duties. And that's where we saw the bread, the lampstand, and so forth. Verse 7, it says, But into the second only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the intentional sins of the people. Remember, the priest, the high priest, represented himself 
and the people, interceding for the people to God himself. Because God himself is said to be enthroned between the cherubim. Now let's go to that Isaiah 37 and 16. So now we're getting deeper. We're going deeper into the actual manifested presence of God himself. Isaiah 37, 16. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. These are creatures that you saw, the gold creatures with their wings. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Psalms 99 and 1. The Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. In Exodus 25, 22, God himself is speaking here. It says, there I will meet him. I will meet with you. He's talking to Moses. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony. That is another name for the ark of the covenant. He says, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in the commandment for the people of Israel. So you see that God himself was in this place this ark of the covenant these are also shadows of heavenly things trust me when i tell you this is extremely relevant to you today hold on as we tie this together as priests thank you jesus you couldn't just walk up in this place leviticus 16 1 and 2 the lord spoke to moses after the death of his two sons aaron when they drew near before the lord and died and the lord said to moses tell aaron your brother not to just come up here any time to this holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is in the ark so that he may not die for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. That tabernacle means abide, a place where God himself wanted to have a place where he can abide with his people. And this is where God manifested his presence. And the priest had to be right to come and stand before God himself, literally. You had to live a lifestyle as priests to literally stand before God. But you remember, it was never without blood. It's very important. We're going to tie this together. Hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Jesus. Oh, yes. Over a series of war and events, the Philistines actually stole the ark from Israel. They gave it back after seven months because they kept putting it in different places. At first, they put it next to their god, Dagon, and that his head fell off, this idol, because the presence of God. God was like, look, ain't no idol going to stand before me. Remember that. Amen. Then after them being plagued and hopping this thing around, it ended up back in Israel's hands, resting in this brother Abinadab's house for 20 years. Abinadab. Somebody say Abinadab. Then comes this brother named David. So it's in Abinadab's house for about 20 years. Then David comes. And we're, this is, that is the, I, I laid all that foundation for this particular moment here. The title of this sermon is called Our Response Ability. Our Response Ability. So you're seeing there's a responsibility, but there is a response ability that we have that's inherent so this brother named David thank God for David as we all know a lot of his story he wasn't necessarily called a perfect man but he was a man after God's own heart something about that so in 2nd Samuel 
6, 2 through 3, 5 through 7. I got to give you his words. And if you can't read that from here, I'll read it to you. It says, And David arose and went with all the people who were with him in Bel Judah mm. to bring up from, the, from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. So everyone knows God symbolically as well as seriously and realistically was there. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart. So they're driving this new cart, okay? They're taking, they're trying to transfer this. David said, I want that ark. Remember, it's not in the Holy of Holies anymore. So right now, we're not in the protocol that God had already set. The presence of God literally is now traveling where God himself is <laughs> traveling with the people. Now, the tabernacle itself could actually move, but everything went with it, all right? In verse 5, it says, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs. They're having a good time, and lyres, and harps, and tambourines, and castanets, and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, somebody say Nacon. Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God. They all having a good time and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Oh God, you know, I got to fix this. I'm not trying to have this fall on the ground. I have so much reverence. Look what happens. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the ark of God. I was like, God, what you doing, bro? You know, this brother dies. Like, why would you do? If, if it fell, it's natural. Like, let me catch it. I said, what do you think you're doing? And I asked the Holy Spirit, I'm like, what's happening here? Why did you do that? Later we do see that they did regard the presence, but they didn't necessarily regard his principles. Because God said that only a Levite would carry the ark. David fixed it later. Now they brought it and we'll get there. But God showed me something else here. That word naked, where they ended up, where it fell, means prepared. He told me to look into the names. Uzzah means strength. <laughs> Hallelujah. So God was showing me that don't try to take what God has prepared for you into your own hands and strength. I'm telling you. They ended up at the threshing floor of Nacon. And Uzzah, meaning strength, tried to literally with his own strength, with his own hands, try to manage what God has already prepared. And he died. There's a lesson in that. To learn that we breed death when we try to take what God said I got into our own hands. Hallelujah. Somebody say, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> so David got upset and he said, all right, I'm, gonna just, I'm not going to take it. Because David wanted to take it to his home, the city of David. So he said, I'm going to leave it at Obed-Edom's house. This brother named Obed-Edom. All right? Somebody say Obed-Edom. <laughs> Some interesting names in the Old Testament <laughs> throughout the Bible. But uh, he left it there for three months. And the next scripture shows us that, um, <laughs> that there was something that happened at Obed-Edom's house. And 2 Samuel 6, uh, 6, 12 to 14 says, And it was told the King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. Wow. So now it's not in the Holy of Holies. It's in this brother's house, Obed-Edom's house. But then all of a sudden, God is blessing it. God is communicating something here. So David went up and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord, whoo, so they're, they're bearing it now. Okay, 
First time it didn't work. This time they're bearing it. It says, they were bearing the ark of the Lord and had gone six steps. He sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. So basically, they will go six steps, right? Six paces. Two, three, four, five, six. And then they would literally sacrifice. So if you look at the blood trail, every six steps, there was a blood trail. Now, hallelujah. If we look in Genesis, God worked for six days and rested on the seventh day. That six represents the work of the blood that can allow you to carry and walk with the presence of God himself because of the blood of Jesus. As priests, remember, if you look at this trend, there was blood and there was praise. Hallelujah. We're getting somewhere. Somebody say, go deeper. Are you guys, are you guys with me right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So look at this. Verse 14 in uh, 2 Samuel uh, 6, and it says, And David danced before the Lord with all his might. Uh-oh. And David was wearing a linen ephod. Y'all remember that ephod that the priest was wearing? Show that picture again of the priest, please. That ephod that God said, that he said, this is what I want the priest to wear. And all of a sudden, King David is wearing an ephod. What is this brother doing? Verse 27, David was clothed with a robe of fine linen. As also were all the Levites who were carrying the ark. Now he's wearing what the Levites are wearing. And the singers and Chenaniah, the leader of the, the leader of the music of the singers. And David wore a linen ephod. So now he's doing some real priestly things that God specifically spoke about concerning the Levites. He had the audacity to do that. Ooh, he's looking separated now. He's got something. He's got a revelation about something. First Chronicles 16, 1 and 2. It says, and they brought in the ark of God and set it in the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And David had finished offering the burnt offerings. And when he had finished it and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. So now he's wearing a linen ephod, blessing the people in the name of the Lord. How is he doing this? He's actually from the tribe of Judah, not Levi. What's happening here, King David? What do you have? What do you know? Because as we see the first, the first priest in Genesis 14, 18, he blessed Abraham. In Deuteronomy 10, 8, it says that the tribe of Levi would bless in his name. Only the priest was doing and wearing certain clothes. As I said earlier, Acts 13, 22, it says, And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, to whom also he gave their testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all of my will. So he was after God's heart. So there was revelation that he saw. Before all of this had happened, God spoke something to Israel. Listen very closely. Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Check this out. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Check this out. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. It's interesting because it didn't say these are the words you shall speak to the Levites. 
God's heart was revealed before all this stuff happened. He spoke and said, these are the words. He says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, not just a holy people. God's heart desired that all his people would be priests unto him. And David had the audacity and the faith to step into that priestly anointing to wear the clothes, to bless in his name. And God didn't strike him dead because a lot of things were happening like that. By faith, he did this. He had a revelation. If you read Psalm 1 and 10, it's talking about how the future king would be in the order of Melchizedek, not Aaron. So Aaron's bloodline was the Levitical priesthood. But then that Melchizedek, that first priest that we saw in the Bible who blessed Abram, is what the Bible tells us that Jesus is not in the order of Aaron, that Levitical priesthood. It says that he's in the order of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek says in the Bible, it talks about how there was no record of his beginning or end. That there was something symbolic about this priest whom Jesus came after in the order of Melchizedek. Now, he was the king and priest of Salem. David, on his way, taking the ark, he wanted to go to a place called Salem, but now it's called Jerusalem. So by faith, he saw something. He had revelation because he sought after the heart of God. And then he was activating something that wasn't even in covenant yet. By faith, he started to walk in this priestly anointing my God. And God honored it due to the revelation because he actually hunted after the heart of God. And God blessed him and acknowledged that priestly anointing on his life. But there was something about still that this tabernacle of David had to do that was different about this tabernacle of Moses. Okay? And now we're reeling this thing home into something that's very powerful. Please show that picture of the tabernacle of David. Now you see that other one was super extravagant. He just pitched a tent. And it was just open for people to worship and praise God. How was this? (laughs) He had the audacity even to stand before the Lord as that was specifically for the Levitical people. The priest. It says here. First Chronicles 16, 4 and 6, it says, Then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord. He appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord. Remember, only the priests went before the ark of the Lord. But now the Levites are going before the ark of the Lord, and he appointed them as ministers to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. So this is a praise that God didn't strike these folks dead. There was something about praise that remained continually that God accepted in his very presence. Okay? It says in verse 5, Asaph was the chief. And second him was Zechariah and it lists some names. But it says, who were to play the harps and lyres. Asaph was to sound the cymbals. And Benaniah and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow the trumpets regularly or continually before the ark of God. The covenant. So you've seen that there was a praise that was continual. I'm reeling this hone on why this is relevant today. Are you following me? Hallelujah. A continual praise. David, through revelation, through seeking after the heart of God, he saw something in Psalm 69, 30, and 31. He says, I will praise the name of God 
with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also, somebody say, this also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that has horns and hooves. You see, he said, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving that this also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that has horns and hooves. There was a praise and a worship unto God that God said, I will accept more than the blood of these bulls and goats. But blood was still necessary. The tabernacle of David. First Chronicles 16, 37, 39 through 40. It says, so David left Asaph and Asaph was a seer of God. He saw into the supernatural realm and began to describe what God would show him. It's a well that a prophet, for example, if I say to you, which probably will, I'm saying I'm seeing something in the spirit. And so that's a seer. But then when someone says, I'm hearing the Lord, he's going to repeat what God says. That's how a prophet works as well. So like two types of anointing where you can see something and you describe it or you hear something and then you say it. So that is how prophets a lot of times work. So Asaph, he saw things in the spirit and he also wrote Psalms in the book that we have today. It wasn't just David. Hallelujah. The praise and worship leader. Thank you, Jesus. And so it says here. So David left Asaph and his brothers there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister regularly before the Ark as each day required. So now instead of a sacrifice once a year before the Ark of the Lord with blood, it was now a continual praise and worship <laughs> that went before the Lord. Verse 39, and he left Zadok. Now this is very important. The priest and his brothers, the priests before the tabernacle of the Lord in the high place that was in Gibeon. So now at the same time you have the tabernacle of David which he pitched a tent over here in Jerusalem. Then you come all the way over here in that Gibeon place where you are, Gibeah, excuse me, um, where the tabernacle of Moses continued all that, that, that video we saw. So you see in two different tabernacles happening at one time. Okay? On this side, they did things regularly that the sacrifices, because if you look here in that scripture, it says, and Zadok, the priest, and his brothers, the priest, before the tabernacle of the Lord, in the high place that was in Gibeon, to offer burnt offerings in that first thing that we saw with the fire, and to offer burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of burnt offering regularly, morning and evening, okay, to do all that is written in the law of the Lord that he commanded Israel. So what we're seeing here is that what they would do, they would take bulls and goats, they would sacrifice, and the blood had to be spilled. Leviticus tells us, Okay, it's very important that the life is in the blood. So therefore, a life, because of sin, blood had to be shed somehow. God's mercy said, I'll take the blood of bulls and goats. So you're not just killing everybody, right? So the blood of bulls and goats was on one side of sacrifice. But then on this side, in David's tabernacle, there was a continual praise that went forward before the Lord. So you see the combination of blood and praise. My God. So we're going to see this thing real home. Hebrews 9, 11, and 12. It says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. Somebody said the good things have come. Then through the greater and more perfect tent. Another tent. A greater and more perfect tent. Not made with hands. That is not of his creation. He entered once for all 
into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So we're seeing that Jesus had to still fulfill the law by shedding blood. What is going to happen next that we're going to see something here? Hebrews 13, 15, and 16, it says, By him, speaking of Jesus, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So you see, Jesus shed his blood once and for all but then as priests there was another call as you see here by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually just like the tabernacle of David so our role as priests as we see is to pray to cover others in prayer to keep praise on our lips to live our lives as a living sacrifice before the Lord. So now, the question, why is all this relevant to me today? What does this have to do with me? You got blood over here. You got praise. Jesus did all this stuff. Now it's talking about let us continuously have praise. Remember, Revelation 1, 5, and 6. Now, verse 5 is not there, but I put it in my notes here because it's very powerful. It says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness... And the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So why is this important to us today now that we are priests? He says that we are now kings and priests. Okay, today. The first note of it is in Amos. 9 11 it says in that day this is talking about the restoration of israel and god's people in that day i will raise up the tabernacle of david that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof and i will raise up his ruins and i will build it as in the days of old and then all of a sudden the new testament has the audacity to repeat this exact verse because god wanted to highlight it not just in the old testament but in the first church of today Acts 15, 15 through 17. James is speaking as an elder of the church. He says, and with the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of, of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things. God is saying, I'm going to restore a people that will seek me this tent of David where they were continuously keeping praise before me because of what Jesus's blood has done there's no need for the blood of bulls and goats but there is still a need and I said I'm going to restore that tent where are the people who will keep the praise on their lips God said I want to restore that tabernacle not of Moses but of David I desire to restore, God is saying, this tabernacle of David where there is no veil. Because Jesus, if you remember when he died, the veil split from the top to bottom. I'm going to restore where you can just walk up as priest and speak to me and come boldly before the throne of grace. 
and come to me but remember keep praise on your lips as priests keep praise on your lips what if we never ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and we ate of life we would only be conscious of life even in the midst of death if we just ate of the tree of life we would be conscious of life and not of evil so when Jesus said I came to give you life let's eat of life by keeping praise on our lips the tabernacle of David our response ability after David had placed the ark David wrote a psalm and gave it to Asaph the seer in first Chronicles 16 8 through 11 he says oh give thanks to the Lord call upon his name make known his deeds among the people sing to him sing praises to him tell all of his wondrous works glory in his holy name let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice seek the Lord and his strength seek his presence continually are we a people that have to be prompted or through revelation we will respond to his wondrous works and seek him continually will we help aid in building this tabernacle of David our response ability when the priest went before God himself if he wasn't right he die remember this he would pray and God will ex would accept that sacrifice on behalf of him and the people will you praise for somebody next to you as priests God will honor it will you pray in your prayer closet and intercede and bring praise before God continually this is a part of your priestly anointing Psalm 1, 11 and 1, he said, praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord in my whole heart, in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. But there is something very important about verse 36 in 1 Chronicles 16 and 8. It says, go back to that verse, please. It says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And then if you can see here, it says, then all the people said, amen, and praised the Lord this was an aspect of the tabernacle of David that God appreciated a congregation who said amen which means so be it there was a culture a prophetic culture that God said even though it wasn't then it can be now so that means when you hear something come even though it may not be in manifestation now it actually can because of amen you said so be it somebody said because I said so redeemed he said may the redeemed of the Lord say so if you've been redeemed bought by his blood remember this when when it talks about us being purchased by his blood when you think about something being purchased a lot of times the value is obviously determined by the price that was paid for it no matter what remember that it was Jesus's blood that purchased you back from darkness and his value never depreciates your value is determined by his blood because that's what purchased you no matter what it's his blood his precious blood Psalms 22 and 22 says I will declare thy name unto my brethren unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee in the midst of the congregation 
Psalm 22 and 3, but you are enthroned or and you inhabit in the praises of Israel. David saw that even in the midst <laughs> of the storm, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall forever be on my lips. We will activate something. Last but not least, hallelujah. A part of this tabernacle of David in Amos 9, prophetically, God was speaking through the prophet. And it says, he would raise up the tabernacle of David in verse 11. But then if you skip down to verse 13, it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountain shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall overflow with it. In the Living Bible, that verse 13 says it so beautifully. This time will come. The time will come when there will be so much abundance of crops that the harvest time will scarcely end before the farmer starts again to sow another crop. And, he, and the terraces of grapes upon the hills of Israel will drip sweet wine. So in other words, when it says the plower will overtake the reaper, as he's planting seed, all of a sudden, the person who's reaping the harvest comes and is reaping at the same time. There is an acceleration that happens in this tabernacle of David. Why? Because they agreed. They, amen. They spoke. They said so. There was praise on their lips. This tabernacle of David, what it does, it actually, when you praise in the midst of the congregation, when you reply and you respond with the ability that God has given you by reason of the anointing, you begin to say something and all of a sudden there is an acceleration that happens that when you're trying to plant seed, you're also gathering the harvest. When the plower will overtake the reaper, there's something about fastening yourself to the word of God through your mouth. The lady who touched the hem of his garment, she said, if I just touch the hem, that word in the Greek, hapteme, says, if I just fasten myself to the word, look what happened. Something that 12 years ailed her. Something happened. She was made whole because she fastened herself. There was two times the Bible talks about Jesus marveling. The first time, or the second, it was talking about how he marveled at their unbelief. How they responded to him. And the other time was when Jesus talked about how he marveled because of their faith. I want to make Jesus marvel because of my faith. Jesus marveled. Jesus marveled because of how they responded. The very first time we see an interaction is in Genesis. When God made the animals, he made the wife for Adam. Adam responded and said, whoa, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called a woman for she came from man. The second response that we see is not from what God had made. But what man had done against God. Jesus, what happened was with Adam, God said, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Did you eat what I told you not to? And uh, he said, I'm hiding. Shame. We're naked. Who told you you were naked? Well, sin did. So then all of a sudden the curse came and all this stuff came because it was God's response to man. But now when Jesus came, 
He revamped it all. And now we are now responding to what he's already done. Remember, God brought the animals to Adam. He brought the woman to Adam. And Adam responded to what God had already done. Then God responded to what Adam had done because of the curse and sin. And all that stuff had to be put in order. But now Jesus, if we just respond to what he's already done as priests in our anointing, if we fasten ourselves, if we pray and seek God, if we live consecrated and separated, this priestly anointing that we have, this obligation to say amen, to raise our hands, to praise in the congregation, not to be prompted, but there's a fire on the inside of you that says, oh God, I seek your face continually. I will keep praises on my lips. No matter what's happening in my life, I will bless the Lord at all times, and your praises will forever be on my lips. Therefore, what happens? An activation. The thing that took three years takes three days. This is what God desires for you. For you to actually actuate his promises. Like she said, yes, in him, his promises. Yes, and in him, yes, and amen. But if we are not saying so as priests, we are not activating what we have already been given. Please stand to your feet today. Will we activate Will we activate? Will we activate? Will we stir up? Will we have to be prompted to fasten ourselves to the word? Or do we realize that we have a priestly anointing that we can represent the person next to us, our families, by praying and seeking God? And that anointing that flows cannot lose. This power cannot lose. This priestly anointing cannot lose. When you stand before God, a day of victory, a day of victory, a day of victory, a day of victory is now yours. When you just say yes and amen, when there's a song on your lips, when the circumstance says no, But God still says yes. Will you praise him? Will you praise him when you don't see what you need in your account? Will you still have a song? Will you still have a song? Will you activate this tabernacle of David? Will you go before the Lord and you leave change because you still believe? He said, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. In other words, if you go to him weary and you leave weary, you were not praying, you were complaining. Remember that God said there is an exchange for you to take him seriously, to hear him, to hear him, to see him in the name of Jesus. There is a new level of surrender I feel the Lord calling you to. And here's how it works. David, he did some stuff. We all know he did some stuff. David and Bathsheba, he put Uriah literally in front of the line so he could die so he could take his wife. Murderer, adulterer. But yet God still honored him in a way that was mighty where he said, I'm going to restore that thing that David did. He was a man after my own heart because I believe that There's a difference between songs and psalms. 
and he wants to release psalms through you. But there is a surrendering, a higher level of surrendering that is necessary, a breaking. I see you. I see you. And what I'm seeing is, hallelujah, you literally crying out on your knees. But I also hear the Lord saying, I'm answering that call. If you humble yourself, seek my face, I will hear you and I will heal your land. Business, entrepreneurship will come and flow, creative ideas like never before, through this level of surrendering, that living sacrifice, the living no more play. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, can the musicians come to the stage? Um, please, let's stir up an atmosphere. I feel the presence of God, singers, whatever it may. Now, at this time, hallelujah, God wants to also heal. I'm sensing the presence of God to those who want to respond. Now, in America, there are some things called time limits. So if you have to leave at this time, I'm not, this is not a discouragement. We want to just say, hey, go with the Lord and respond with that priestly anointing. But there was a different kind of thing that happens when we just say, Holy Spirit, have your way. And I've heard all my life this stuff about Africa and how this stuff is just powerful in Africa and people getting out of wheelchairs and all that kind of stuff. I said, I got to go there myself and see this. I went and it was true. But there was a sensitivity and a spirit of expectation that because I've been there, I know that I've seen, I know where it's not. There has to be expectation. There has to be a fire on the inside of you. Why are you the same? Why are you in cycles? Because you don't have any faith that's mixing with the word of God. And you're not actually taking God at his word. There is a fire that God is desiring. Remember, there had to be blood. Upon the bronze altar, you saw that fire. See, God actually sent the fire from heaven in originally, but there was no fire unless there was a sacrifice. There is a certain sacrifice of praise that is necessary to be on your lips to transform the lives of those around you and your life. Do we understand what we're saying here? There has to be expectation. The reason why the word hope means the expectation of something good or the expectation of something bad. The scripture says faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if you don't have hope, that means you cannot have faith. Because faith is the substance of things you hope for. So that means you have to have hope, expectation 
of something good for your faith to materialize something in your life. If you don't have expectation, that means you cannot cultivate faith. That means you cannot actually accept the promises of God because the word of God says it this way. With faith and patience, faith and patience, you will inherit the promises of God. I'm in a cycle because I don't have the faith. I'm in a cycle because I don't have expectation. I don't even have hope anymore. Father, I ask that you just right now send a wind of hope. A wind of hope that will begin to stir up in this place. That the expectation of the God of the impossible will begin to invade their life in a way that only you can do. Only you can achieve. Through their prayers, they know that they have a priestly anointing that you honor that the priests themselves would go before God and you hear their prayer because they go before you in faith by the blood of Jesus and they say God heal my sister God in the name of Jesus I walk in the authority you are healed in the name of Jesus they function in power with that priestly anointing that kingly anointing they also take authority in the name of Jesus Father, I thank you. If you need healing in your body some way or another, there is a healing wind in this place. And we will testify. And you will not leave the same. Please come down to the altar. If you need healing in your body, respond in the name of Jesus. Do not wait for someone else to respond in the name of Jesus. We have one person that needs healing in their body. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now we have more. Remember, you are priests. Do not wait. Let's reestablish this tabernacle of David by coming from your lips. If you truly, really want to grasp the promises of God. My God in heaven. Will there be a generation that we say, yes, God, we will be hungry for you. We will fast. We will pray. We will seek your face continually. We will keep praises. Praises, praises, praises. Where's my wife? Hannah, can you come here? Praises. Praises in the name of Jesus. Oh, I sense a stirring in this place. Thank you for listening to this week's message on the Impact Church Aurora podcast. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information or to give, please visit us at www.impactchurchaurora.com. Now, go out into the world and continue making an impact.